do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives well. Thank you for uh, that reading, Joey. Uh, morning, everybody. Morning. It is uh, great to be together again. And I just think, like, where do I start? <laughs> and if I say, don't look up, who recognizes? Does it mean anything? Who saw the movie over at Christmas, the Don't Look Up? If you, a few of you. Oh, OK. So <laughs> I know it, but I haven't seen it. You know it, you haven't seen it. Um, so uh, don't look up. That's the, the title of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, and the scripture reading from 1 John, I, uh, I was working my, my for a series, a series, uh, a series going through 1 John, uh, before life intervened and things got disrupted. Uh, but now I'm kind of like, okay, I have an opportunity again after, I don't know, six months or so almost feels a bit awkward to stand there and have something to say. Uh, cool. I'm just glad that it's not actually about me having to say something, but uh, it's, it's God's word that speaks to us. And I pray that, that uh, God and His Holy Spirit will speak to each of our hearts today. Uh, and, and, and not me, it's not my words. It's God's words that we are, mm. are after. Whenever I read John and First John, this Apostle John who's known as the Apostle of Love, is also, it always impacts me how he just doesn't mince his words. He's so straight to the point, so almost confrontational in the scripture. As a bit of context, uh, in the previous parts of chapter 2 of John, in the first two verses we looked about, there was a reminder of how Jesus is our advocate, and that we need to hold on to that when we fall short and we feel like, okay, we're not good enough, I can't do this, uh, I failed again, we have an advocate, Jesus. And it's helpful to have that context to hang everything that comes after that uh, onto. Verse 3 to 6, there is a call to, to know God through obedience. And we do that by living and by loving like Jesus. And then in verse uh, 7 to 11, was, uh, it's quite a challenge again, where John says, look, uh, if we love, one thing about love is that loving our fellow Christians is not optional. And again, he's kind of very black and white about it. It's like in, either you hate them or you love them. And if you can't love your fellow Christian, don't even call yourself a Christian. It's like in, whoa. Uh, he doesn't mince his words. And then in uh, verse, uh, verse 12 to 14, he talks to the different stages of life. He talks about children, and fathers, and, and those who've overcome, and the challenges that we face in this world. And all of that is a context for these verses 15 to 17. And the big challenge of do not love the world 
or anything in the world. I love the way uh, the message translation is almost a sermon on itself. Every time I, I, I read the message translation, I think like, well, that's it. I don't need to say anything more because, uh, because of the way it's translated. I want to read this same scripture in the message translation. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So this movie, Don't Look Up, uh, I know on Christmas Day there's a tradition in the UK often, I think there's always a James Bond movie, or <laughs> there's kind of a tradition, you play Monopoly, everybody gets angry with everybody, else. <laughs> you finish the game, you listen to the Queen's speech, and then you watch a James Bond movie, that's how, as a non-British person, it was explained to me, that's how it works here. <laughs> uh, it seems like Netflix has changed that. We were on holiday uh, over Christmas, all our kids came to visit, which was really great, uh, from Plymouth and from the Netherlands, and my daughter from central London, and we rented a cottage and went away all together, since our house is too small to, to accommodate everybody. And on Christmas, um, uh, the kids flicked on, uh, I think it was Netflix or something, and said, okay, well, we don't want to watch James Bond, what else, what are we going to watch? And this thing came up as, don't look up. It's like, what is that about? I don't know, it's something about a comet that's going to hit the earth. Uh, so this movie is about uh, a comet that's discovered. My son actually this morning said, don't spoil it for them. I was like, you know, okay, I won't say anything more than what's in the trailer. <laughs> I was very tempted. There's some really good bits. There's some really good bits that I was really tempted, but I said, okay, no, I'll, I'll stick to what's in the trailer. Um, so if you watch the trailer or the blurb that what this is what the movie, it's all it's all there. Uh, so this comet is on the way to destroy Earth. And uh, it's discovered about six months before this is going to happen. And the scientists like, in, okay, this is like, in, this comet is heading Earth's way six months, then the whole Earth is going to be destroyed because this thing is bigger than the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs. Um, and they try and warn uh, everybody on the whole Earth about this, uh, this comet that's going to make its impact. And that's what the whole movie is about. And the movie is called Don't Look Up because at some point, uh, in, initially this comet is not physically visible. You look up and it's like, and people look up like, where is this comet that you're talking about? Nobody can see it. Ah, it's just telescopes. It's far away. And then one day, uh, it actually starts appearing in the night sky. And, and they say, just look up. You can see it. And there's this whole media storm and social media goes bad. And uh, everybody starts fighting with each other and on social media and on Twitter and on the news and all the different programs about should you look up or not look up. 
and the president says they just want you to look up because they want you to be fearful. So, uh, they want you to look up so you will live in fear, so don't look up. That's where the title comes from, don't look up, because if you don't see it, then it won't bother you and, it, uh, 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 and you can just carry on with your life. That's where the title comes from, don't look up. Uh, it is about really, uh, I, I found it's a satire, uh, a parody, uh, but I found it so impactful and illustrating of the way the world works today. And it, it is actually quite shocking and sad and all kinds of emotions. Uh, some people thought of like, what a stupid movie, but uh, for me it was quite impactful and, and it, it was a, a bit like a parable, like the parables Jesus told about the state of life and the state of this world that we live in. Even yesterday we did a, a day trip with my son who's visiting from the Netherlands to a, to a village on the Thames and we were walking on the high street and there was a big protest on the big roundabout in the middle of the, of the town with people waving placards and like, don't get vaccinated, they're lying to you, uh, don't, don't uh, vaccinate our kids, etc, uh, etc, et and don't trust the media, don't trust the government, don't trust the doctors, etc, etc, like all kinds of this anti-vax protest. And people have different opinions, and I was like, shall I engage with them or not? I'm still hurting from my own mum dying from COVID, and these guys are like walking around there making all kinds <coughs> of statements, and it's like, well, that's exactly, I think, what Satan is trying to do, and what this movie is about, is dividing the world against itself, and getting people stirred up and distracted about what really matters. And the thing that I realize is that as humans, we all want to believe in something. And people strive for some kind of identity, something that they, they can feel like, yes, this is me. Because we don't want to just disappear and be a nobody and a nothing. And who, who are you? What do you believe in? Everybody kind of has to believe in something. And social media is just fueling that whole fire. I look at people's profiles on LinkedIn, and Twitter, and Facebook, and all these, all these sites. And, and it's interesting, I find like, it seems important that you have to say uh, which football club you support, what gender pronouns you prefer, um, whether you're a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer. And people put it on their profiles, like in always arsenal, no vaccinations, <laughs> LGBTQ positive, call me he or she, I don't care, kind of things like <laughs> And that is me. That is what's, first, what's important to people, to, to define their identity, to, so they can feel like, okay, now I know I stand for something. And what John is writing about here, he says, do not love the world all the things of the world. Uh, I'm not sure, I love this big Bible that's always on front, in front here. Um, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What is this thing called? The world. And it says, do not love the world. Uh, what does it mean, anybody? What do you think this, if it says, do not love the world? What is the world? 
The Greek word is cosmos. Any, any ideas? Yes. I've also given people, they refer to people who are actually following God in their heart. Right, so it, is, uh, it could be uh, people, when it talks about do not love the world, is do not love people who are not following God. No, not, 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 following, no. not saying not to love people who are following God, but rather not the to ways. love the, the ways of people who are following God. The ways, not like the ways. Okay, so the world in the sense is the ways of the world, the, the, the way people behave and live and function and that would, okay, thank you. Well, I think it's a trick one. I tend to think of it what, what it's not. I don't think it means um, not loving creation itself, because creation is part of the world. I, I don't think it means that. In terms of what, what does it mean, I tend to think of it not loving the things that are in the Bible, not loving things that are almost the antithesis of being of loving God. <laughs> so to speak, things that would drag me away from loving God. So I don't know, I, I, I do love Asma. But if Asma, if I love Asma more than I love God, then I, you know, I, I, I'm loving the world. That's how I tend to see that idea. That's, that's, my, that's my view. Right? Yes. So things that pull us away from God. So things that pull us away from God. So you yeah. can be people, the behavior. Systems of man. Systems of man? Yeah, whatever learning that man has created as it, as it were, which. Isn't that what God has created? Right, yeah. And that could be political systems, it could be economical systems, it could be moral systems, uh, all kinds of yeah, the, the systems of man. Uh, any other thoughts? Yes, Simon? Uh, there's obviously physical things that you know you should be loving, but I'm also thinking that you can um, love your own opinions, you know, and uh, your own pride, and you know. Um, yeah. yeah, love your own opinions. Yeah, it's a bit like the things of the world. What, what's important to me in the world, what I think matters. So this word, word cosmos is used in, in three different ways in the Bible. Uh, it does sometimes refer to the physical world, this planet. Now, somehow I don't think God would tell us to, in Genesis that I created this world, I made it beautiful, take care of it, and then later on tell us don't love the world. So... Although this word is sometimes used in that exact same way, there's the talk. Oh, You know how to fix that, Danny? I got this. Right, so, so this, this planet Earth, so I'm, I'm quite sure it does not mean don't love the Earth. So it's not about we do need to take care of the Earth, and that's another debate. And some say this movie is about. Uh, climate change and, and uh, global warming and so on, and, and, and that's what the producers of the movie say, yes, that was the, was the intention. Um, but clearly God has commanded us to take care of this earth. So when he says, don't love the world, it doesn't mean he's not talking about the physical world. We do need to love this, this world. That, that's, it's our home. This is where we live. Um, but the other two usages is <coughs> The people of the world, the inhabitants of the world. So uh, Jesus used that uh, quite a few things, a few times. Um, it says the world knew him not when Jesus arrived in John 1, when Jesus uh, when is announced as coming. It says he loved the world, but the world loved him not, meaning the, the, the people. Um, of course, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. 
So if God loves the world, how can he now tell us not to love the world? So it's not about the people. So it's not telling us don't love the people. Uh, so the only option that's left really it is about the systems and the ways and the behavior and the mindset, uh, the, the morality, the, all these things in the world that, uh, that are opposite to loving God. Like I can say that, that pulls us away and, and draws us away from loving God. So in verse 16, um, sorry, verse 15, so he says, if, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So really contrast these two things. And that's a question we, we can always, it's an easy question to ask ourselves. It's like, an, okay, is this thing drawing me closer to the Father or drawing me away from the Father? And that kind of clearly settles it if this is a worldly thing or not a worldly thing. And if it's a worldly thing that I shouldn't love because it draws me away from the love of the Father. So verse 16, it says, for all that is in the world, so now luckily uh, John helps us and he explains it a bit to us. He says, what are these things in the world that we shouldn't love? He says in verse 16, well, it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These things is not of the Father, but is of the world. Uh, this is... Not an exhaustive list, but it's an illustration. In case you don't quite get it, like we, well, these are three examples. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, of our sinful nature, of our phys physical nature, and the pride of life. In the, um, this is actually nothing new. Right in the very beginning, with Adam and Eve. At, with, with the fall of man, and the temptation was there the first time in Genesis 3 verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the tree produced fruit that was good for food, was attractive to the eye, and was desirable for making one wise. She took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some of it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. So, I know some people like to blame Eve, that she made a mistake. Well, Adam, he was there, he was looking on, and when it, offered, it was offered to him, first of all, he didn't stop her and say, don't eat that. And then when it was offered to him, he gladly took it. So, uh, he partook in it, you know, the, the one that participates in the crime is as guilty as the one who commits, commits the crime. That's, even in our modern society, that is a, a, uh, how the law works. So Adam and Eve had exactly this same challenge, the same temptation. It was good for food, so it was the lust of the flesh, the desire of our body. It was attractive to the eye, what we see, and it was desirable for making one wise. So as it says here in John, uh, it, talks, it, it talks about the pride of life. In the New English translation, uh, it talks about the arrogance brought about by the material things uh, of this world. Uh, in the New English translation it says, the arrogance produced by material possessions. This temptation is as old as humanity. The things that draw us away from God. 
these are physical desires where, and, and you know, we can just look around us, uh, around us and, and we see it every day. There's charities, there's uh, organizations, there's psychologists and specialists and medical uh, personnel that, that try and solve this <coughs> problem of our physical <coughs> desire for things that are not good for us. Whether it's overeating or addictions to uh, alcohol, drugs, or addictions to physical things. It's a struggle for us as humans. People struggle with uh, simple things like sugar addictions or just can't, can't control their eating. It's a challenge for us. That's the, the, some of the desires of our flesh. The other desires of our flesh is the, the sexual desires, uh, pornography and uh, adultery and the, the things that, uh, that, that, uh, that pollutes our body. And then lastly, and then secondly, the, the desires of our eyes. We see things and we live in a world that makes it so attractive. It wants to sell us something all the time. And uh, it's amazing that how anything, no matter what the calamity is, someone will find a way to try and profit from it, try and sell us something. Um, and it happens in the movie as well. As soon as uh, everybody's like, oh, you're going to die, or uh, how can you protect people, start selling protection against the comet, and uh, you know, you can, you can go and buy this place in a shelter, and they start selling spaces, places, uh, spaceships to escape from Earth, etc. It's like in, anything to make money, anything to, to fuel our desires, and the things that we see. It's so easy to be taken in by that. We live in a world that bombards us all the time with advertisements and buy this and, and uh, you, you, never, you, you don't have enough. This is not good enough for you. You need the better one. You know, the version 11, is, that's old. Nobody wants 11 anymore. You need 12 now. Oh, 12, that's so last year. You need version 13 now this year. You're worth it, Stephanie. You're worth it. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yes, you're worth it, yes. You deserve it. It sounds like you deserve it. You've earned this. How did I earn this? I don't know. And sometimes you have no choice. Like uh, I had a very workable, serviceable uh, mobile phone. And I was very happy with it. It was working fine for me. I could make my phone call, send my messages. And, uh, but I was also using it for my work. It was old. Okay. Um, it was a version 7 of the phone that is now on version 20 or something. <laughs> and then uh, I was also using it for work and then suddenly my work sent me a message and said uh, sorry we're going to take your phone off our system because it can't be upgraded anymore and it's not secure I'm like what? and then literally like three days later that's it I got cut off from my work email and everything on my phone Okay. and then my phone stopped doing updates it's like oh sorry this app is not working anymore I can't do update this app because your phone is too old like in, okay <laughs> Sometimes you just have no choice. The, the world just keeps on pushing us and pushing us and pushing us into newer and newer things. And we fall into the trap that we actually need them. We think like, I need them. I can't live without it. There's a story about a, a monk who lived in a monastery. And once a year, he would go down to the village. And he would walk through all the shops. He would go into all the shops and he would walk around. He spent the whole day just walking around the shops. And then he would go back to the monastery again. And he would do this every year, but he would never buy anything. And then one year when he walked into the town, someone stopped him and said, I don't understand, why do you come here every year 
and you walk through all the shops, but you never buy anything. Mm -hmm. He says, well, I just come here once a year to remind myself of all the things I don't actually need. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit... I've been thinking about, I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. I, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I'm like, well, what's so special about this specific day that I need to make a change now? And it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. For some people it really works. I find it very discouraging. I find it disruptive to things I was working on anyway. Uh, you know, it's like, why, why this specific day? It's like sometimes I realize, okay, I need to change something. I want to change something. I want to grow. And whether it's the 1st of January or the 23rd of March or whatever, that's a good time to, to start that. But this year I did actually think about, you know what? I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit out of sorts. It's, it's been a very disruptive year in the last year. I, since coming back to the UK, I haven't quite settled down. And one of the things I've been thinking about <laughs> is, what are the things that are distracting me? What are the things that are distracting me from my relationship with God? Uh, what are the things that are distracting me from what's really important? The things in life. The things that suck me into this world and away from the spiritual world. Mm. And Jesus spoke a lot about this challenge. This challenge, as Christians especially, that we have that we live in a world that functions and thinks and behaves so different from everything that we believe in and, and, and try and uphold and try and live out in our lives. We spoke about it in John 17, in verse 11 and 14, when he talked about, you're in this world, but don't be of the world. That's such a challenge. Sometimes it is. I think it's like it, it will be easier to go and live on a mountain in a monastery and just be away from it all. Where, but then that won't achieve anything to make a difference to this world. In, uh, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about <coughs> not storing for, uh, up for ourselves treasures on earth where it can just be destroyed um, and we can't take it with us. Yet we function in this world as much as we can say, well, I don't want anything, I don't want money, I don't want any treasures, I can't take it with me anyway. Like, well, if I go to the shop down the road and I need to buy some groceries, I actually need some of that worldly treasures to, to do that. That's the way that society works that we, that we live in. We cannot completely extract ourselves from it. Further on in Matthew 6, Jesus talk, talks about, he says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. What you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then look at, look at the birds. God takes care of them. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So do not worry. Do not worry about the things of the world. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus spoke about this a lot. He spoke about the, the parable of the sower. Sowing the seed. And all the different seeds fell in different places. And the, 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 the seed that fell among the weeds, it says, this seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear as they go on their way that choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. This challenge of trying to extract ourselves from the world, but being the world, 
in a way, <coughs> in a way we, we are in this world living like a minority, like an oppressed minority almost. In different countries in the world, some people are minorities because of the way the world identifies people, whether it's by race or by gender or by gender orientation, sexual orientation. Or, uh, and some people feel they are in the minority. And it's, it's hard living in that minority world because you always feel like you're not quite part of the bigger picture. You're always a, an outsider, a bystander, a foreigner, or a different race, or an immigrant. And in this world as Christians, we are living like that, almost like immigrants. It's almost like, is Joe, Joe something here today? Um, Joe does scuba diving. And when Joe does scuba diving, he basically puts on a mask and a, a bottle with oxygen on his back and he goes under the water into a different world, but he takes his own piece of oxygen and his own oxygen with him into that world so that he can survive. Sometimes it is like that as Christians in this world, where we are in this world trying to survive without breathing the air of this world, getting our air from somewhere else. And that is what John talks about here, this challenge of when we're in this world, all these things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of this life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The big challenge for us is to keep that spiritual mindset. Not to be sucked into this worldly thinking, behavior, mindset, but to keep a spiritual mindset. Why? Because in verse 17 it says, and the world will pass away. The end will come. That's the amazing thing. Like, even if Jesus came today and he said, look, you've got six months, then the world will end. We would think that, ah, as Christians, it's like, finally, Jesus came back. Everybody can see him. You can go on all the news channels. You can go on Facebook. You can do some miracles again, just like when he came here the first time, and warn people and say, you've got six months. Repent. And then the, the, this world's going to be destroyed, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we would love to think that, yes, finally, it's going to be so easy to just tell people to come, come and see Jesus, come and listen to Him, let's follow Him because we've got six months and then we're going to heaven. Finally, He's come back. It'll be so easy. And the amazing thing is, it won't be like that. And if you, go, if you watch this movie, you'll see that it, it illustrates it so perfectly. People believe what they want to believe. They like to do what they like to do. If we're so sucked into our behaviors and, and, and mindset and attitudes of the world, and we, and we do easily get sucked into that, then it's so hard to let go of that and say, you know, let's leave that behind and, and think about what's coming and what's really important. At the end of Matthew, when Jesus talks about the, the coming of the kingdom, he said, people will, they will carry on with their life. They will get married, they will have parties, they will celebrate. They'll say, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Because, you know, maybe we'll die, maybe we won't. Who knows? They actually won't take notice. They won't take it seriously. But the guarantee is here, yeah, this world will pass away. 
says that the world will pass away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abideth forever, or abides forever, or will remain forever. That's a challenge. He who does the, the will of God will see eternity. So this whole call is about, I think if, we, if I think about myself, the question I ask myself is, like I can say, what are the things that prevents me from doing God's will? What are the things that prevents me from being in the love of the Father and that pulls me into the love of the world? Is it how I spend my time? I think, yeah. I actually monitored myself this week. And I realized I spend about an hour a day on social media, which you know, everyone needs to come to their own conclusions. I'm not preaching against social media or anything there. But I realized I spent about an hour a day this week on social media, not being productive in the sense that I'm interacting with people and contributing anything. It's like, you know, I'm building a relationship here or helping anybody. Literally just scrolling and reading. And, oh, that's a funny video. Oh, look at that cat. Oh, is that a cat? <laughs> oh, look at that dog. Oh, that's. Oh, look at this crazy guy. It's like, a, oh, how can you be so stupid? You know, it's like, a, you know, people doing silly things and falling over and uh, like a, a guy on a scooter. You know, like, oh, look at me. And then he drives through a shop window. It's like, a, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it is funny and entertaining and kind of. And I, and I, and I realized, wow. No wonder I'm kind of not feeling so close to God and I'm not feeling quite myself the last month or two because I've just been distracted and wasting my time on things that really don't matter. They are just short little pleasures of this world that, that are actually meaningless. They, they contribute nothing to my relationship with God. Whatever it is for ourselves, and, and, and that would be my invitation to you and encouragement to you, is, you know, we are all different. We all have different challenges. And whatever phase of life you may be in, your challenges will be different. But think about these things. The lust of the flesh, meaning the pleasures that we chase after. The lust of the eyes, the things we like looking at and find entertaining. And chasing after the world, pride, the material things. If we think about that and ask yourself, what is it that's distracting me from doing God's will and from the love of the Father? What is it that I can give up, stop doing, walk away from, and say, I'm not going to love this anymore, so that I can actually have more time to love God and love the people of this world. And that's the beauty of this promise. He says, he that does the will of God will remain forever. That is quite amazing. It's like, you know, this world will end. And if that asteroid is coming and you've got six months to live, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? We're all going to die. Well, actually,
actually know if we do the will of God, we don't have to worry about that because dying is just a transition. It's just a phase into a better world and a better life that comes after this. The only question that remains for me is like, the person who does the will of God remains forever? Is that even possible, doing the will of God? I thought, I always fall short. I can always find something more than I realize. Oh, I tried this week, but oh my goodness, I didn't do that, and I messed up here. I made that mistake, I fell into this sin. Okay, I'll try again next week, but I, I never seem to actually arrive in doing the will of God. Mm. That's why John, at the beginning of the chapter, says, don't forget, you've got the advocate in Jesus. Don't worry about falling short. If your heart is with God and remaining in His will, I'm going to try my best. He's going to be my first love. Then Jesus will take care of the rest. There is one bit, a spoiler in this movie, that, that I'm, I'm going to give away. <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually a prayer from a, a really cool dude. Um, he's kind of a gamer, techie guy, you know, with this hoodie and, uh, you know, he lives in the online world. And, and he's the most unexpected believer. He's like, what? You believe in God? And then this group gets together, this group, little group gets together. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, maybe we should pray. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of have this relationship with God. I can pray. And I'm like, what? You pray? I want to, as we uh, have communion now, we can have the bread and the wine that reminds us of this grace and this advocate we have in Jesus that, uh, that we don't have to worry about falling short when we strive to move with God. And I want to read this prayer that this young man prayed in this movie as a prayer for us to prepare our hearts for the communion. Let's pray together. Dearest Father and Almighty Creator, we ask for your grace despite our pride. We ask for your forgiveness despite our doubt. Most of all, Lord, we ask for your love to soothe us through these dark times. May we face whatever is to come in your divine will with courage and open hearts of acceptance. Father, thank you for your son Jesus, for his broken body. Thank you that we have this bread that reminds us of that. Thank you that we can have the fruit of the vine that reminds us of his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray that you bless it in our bodies. Give us Jesus. Amen.